The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Overnight, Israel and Hamas extending their ceasefire for at least one more day amid intense negotiations to release more hostages. Yesterday, Hamas releasing 16 more hostages from Gaza in exchange for more Palestinian women and teenagers held in Israeli prisons. Liat Benin, a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, was among those freed by Hamas, but her husband is still missing. At least eight other Americans remain in captivity, their conditions unknown. On Capitol Hill, the hostages' families urge Congress to get their loved ones home. Ruby Chen's son, a soldier in the Israeli military, has been missing since the Hamas attack on Israel October 7th. We live in a different universe than you do. We unfortunately, we celebrated Thanksgiving with an empty chair in our table. We want to be whole again with our families. That is Justin Finch reporting from Washington. We'll keep you updated on that ceasefire negotiation. Well, the state is preparing to feel the impact of a little talked about proposal that was voted through on ballots last year. WBEN's Tom Puckett has more. The money will come from a bond voters approved in 2022. The money was bonded, and it will provide for a total of $4.2 billion of funding for for various things. Um, Included in that, of course, is the governor's announced $100 million for zero emission school buses. State Senator Patrick Gallivan says with 700 school districts in New York State and an electric bus costing $400,000, it's likely there won't be enough funding for each district to get one bus. It's nowhere near enough to cover this, and ultimately the cost is going to be borne by taxpayers. State law now will require all school buses to be zero emission by 2035, something that I don't agree with and I don't think is attainable or affordable, but ultimately this will be placed on the backs of property taxpayers, unfortunately. Gallivan says there are a significant number of challenges to have all zero emission buses in New York by 2035. Hear about his concerns online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right, Tom, thank you. In the wake of their new deal with Detroit's car makers, the United Auto Workers Union has now officially launched its campaign to organize non-union companies. The UAW inviting 150,000 workers at more than a dozen non-union companies to sign union cards. They've targeted individual car makers in the past with little success, but the union is now touting the gains they reached with the Detroit Three. Many of these non-union Car makers have already announced pay raises. That's Jeff Gilbert, who covers the auto industry in Detroit. All right, we'll be following that story for sure coming up to see how that progresses. Well, meanwhile, Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State under Richard Nixon, who went on to shape decades of U.S. foreign policy, has passed away at the age of 100. Presidential historian Mark Uptegrove says Kissinger was perhaps the most iconic American diplomat in the latter half of the 20th century. He was the national security advisor and secretary of state for Richard Nixon, whereby he won the Nobel Peace Prize for negotiating a peace between Israel, Syria, and Egypt in the Yom Kippur War, helped Nixon to open China, changing the Cold War paradigm. He remained secretary of state for Gerald Ford, but importantly, would also remain an influence in foreign policy for subsequent presidential administrations even though he was no longer in office. One of those major figures in U.S. history who, you know, when you learn about him, has that much weight as a lot of presidents did in U.S. history. So, uh, you know, kind of a 
I don't know why I was surprised to see the news uh, this morning. Uh, just Well, maybe just to see Henry Kissinger in the news, but passing f- away at the age of 100. Right, the 100 mark is incredible. It will be bringing you more reflections on Henry Kissinger this morning. If you're looking to get into the holiday spirit around here or just get some gift shopping done, WBEN's Brayton Wilson tells us there are some more options opening up. Local markets like the Buffalo Holiday Market opened this past weekend for Black Friday, and activity was hustling and bustling for the first week of business. We opened last weekend, and Buffalo did not disappoint, and neither did Hamburg. The shoppers were shopping, the sun was shining, and it was absolutely incredible. That was Jillian Canan, co-owner of the Buffalo Holiday Market in Buffalo and in Hamburg. For the four to five weekends during the holiday season, it is a busy time for the market in downtown Buffalo. If you're heading out to the market this holiday season, Canan's says there is something different for every person to experience. We have tons of different curated vendors throughout the market. We have food vendors who are joining us that offer special treats and things like that. So you can make this an all-out event for your family. Make it a destination. You come down, you can shop the market. We have igloos that you can rent. So we have food service and things like that so that you can enjoy all of it throughout your stay. Meanwhile, Chris Kindlemarked at Hofbrau House Buffalo along Scott Street also opened up last week and will run through the weekend before Christmas on December 17th. Co-owner of Hofbrau House Buffalo, Ed Arnold, says there are Christmas decorations, Christmas trees, and lights inside and outside for people to take in this holiday season. Every Friday and Saturday at 6 o'clock, we have a tree lighting ceremony where there is a little parade that starts inside and goes out to the Christmas tree. We light the Christmas tree. They play O Tannenbaum or O Christmas tree. And then we light a Feuerzangenbola, uh, which is a flaming punch bowl, which is quite the visual thing to see. And that kind of is a ceremonial kickoff for the Christmas market for that day. And it's beautiful. More from local holiday markets this Christmas season is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. I'm all in for these markets. I I love them. I've loved them in the past and I'm glad they're back. Holiday markets uh, type of person to walk around, see all that kind of stuff. I, I like the atmosphere. Right. I never end up buying it. I'm like one of those type of people. I will walk around for sure. That's you will get me in the door. Getting me to buy things is uh, maybe another question, but uh, okay. I, I for sure like the atmosphere. Right. And it's, I, I love the one on Ohio Street. We'll be talking to uh, the people who run that and, and the one in Hamburg. Um, I love the one on Ohio Street Christmas season because I'm always walking past it uh, going to Sabres game. And it sure. does add a you know, little it's festive fe- feel to the uh, area. No, no question. Uh, you got all the little huts there, right. Christmas trees, Santa's around. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's nice to walk past. And then the Hofbrau house you heard right there is just a stone throw away. You could do. You can make a, a day of it almost. Yeah, two, uh, two in an afternoon and then uh, hang out somewhere else down there right after. Well, Taylor Swift, to the surprise of nobody. Right is ending the year as the most listened to artist on the most listened to streaming service in the world. Was there any doubt? 2023 has been the year of Taylor Swift, and Spotify announced Wednesday that Swift is their top global artist of the year. More than 26 billion streams since January 1st. Bad Bunny was the second most streamed artist, followed by The Weeknd and Drake. To celebrate her victory, Swift dropped a new song. And speaking of songs, Miley Cyrus had the most streamed song of the year worldwide with Flowers. Followed by Scissors, Kill Bill, and Harry Styles, as it was. Chase Nathan's and ABC News, Hollywood. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely no surprise yeah, I, there. I, I think that's that's right. My The biggest surprise, though, is I complain every single year about when these end-of-the-year lists, like December, 
There's never been a more disrespected month than it's December. It's not even December. It's that's the thing. Like usually they at least wait until December 1st, December 2nd. Yeah. This was yeah, there were days left in November and there's still oh, this well, is how the year went. I know. We got a whole but 12th it seems of the like year for this one with Spotify. That there was nobody even coming yeah, close. That's, I mean, Maybe that's why they... If you have the runaway winner, yeah. go for it. But everyone's getting there, you know, tweeting out the Sui mostly. You got a whole month to change that around. Right. I want to know, is December disrespected or does it roll over into 2024? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's like they do it based on 11 months. It's, maybe even 10 months. They're all going to be coming <laughs> out. Um, you know, you watch it over the next few days. WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny, breezy and milder today with temperatures in the mid-40s this afternoon. For tonight, clouds on the increase. Some rain arrives toward tomorrow morning. Overnight lows near 40. We head into your Friday with rain likely. Temperatures in the mid-40s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Jack O'Donnell of O'Donnell and Associates is on the WBEN Trocare College Live Line. We're talking about NY26 with Brian Higgins' upcoming departure from Congress. The jockeying for position, Jack, is really interesting right now. Senator Tim Kennedy, the only declared candidate so far, but at least two others are possible Democratic candidates, Mayor Byron Brown and Erie County Executive Mark Polenkars. Of the three, who are you watching? Who do you think holds a lot of cards for this seat? Well, good morning. I mean, I I think all the candidates bring different things to the table. I know there's been, you know, a lot of speculation recently about uh, Mayor Brown. I think that his electoral success in the past, whether that's a a write-in for mayor or five terms or, or state senator, um, you know, make him a credible candidate for almost anything. And we saw Mark Polenkars just win, uh, get reelected with, with 18 points. But I, I'm really watching Senator Tim Kennedy in this. Not only is he, um, as you mentioned, a declared candidate, but I think the most important thing is that he's raising money. According to the Federal Election uh, Commission, he's the only one who's opened an account. Um, we know he is a prolific fundraiser. Uh, And I will tell you, I was with uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries last week in Washington. And the only thing that he's really focused on is is winning back the House. Um, And that comes from having the funds, having the resources to win this race, but also to, to play across the country. The key question to me is, uh, well, twofold. One is the obvious. Who can win the votes? You know, who is the most attractive candidate to voters? And then the other is, who is the most attractive candidate to the local party chairs involved in this seat? And I guess the third question would be, does the one person have to fit both those or can it be one or the other? Well, that's a good point. And I think we really have kind of two different tests here. Um, You know, there will be a special election. Um, The governor uh, has to call that within 10 days of Brian Higgins' formal resignation. Um, We have reason to believe that'll be in in early February. And then an election is, is supposed to be held between 20, I'm sorry, 70 and 80 days. And the, the local parties will pick the candidates for that. So you need a candidate Um, who can earn their support. But even before that election, people will be petitioning to be on a June primary ballot. 
Um, and that's when the voters uh, more broadly will have their say, not just, uh, you know, for November general, but a June Democratic primary. So whoever the party leaders choose for a special in April and May pretty quickly is going to have to face that gauntlet. So I really do think it's, it's got to be someone who can um, who can go through both of those. Jack, Charlie Speck of the Buffalo News yesterday put it this way, that if Brown runs and loses, he's still mayor. If Polencars runs and loses, he's still county executive. But if Tim Kennedy runs, his Senate seat is also up. And if he loses, he's out. How much of a factor does that play in here? Well, I mean, that, that's not a case in the special, right? I mean, if it's uh, whoever's chosen in the special, Senator Kennedy wouldn't have to give that up. But, I, you know, I, I think the bigger point here is not uh, a congressional race is not something that you just do in your off time. <laughs> you know, even if you don't have to give up your seat, you have to give up your life. Um, and you have to really call all your friends and family in a congressional race frankly, is a step up from a mayoral, a county executive, or a Senate race. It really is a much different level of of scrutiny, a level of cost. And so I I do think, obviously, that's something the candidates need to weigh. Um, I think, you know, the fact that Senator Kennedy has already announced and and is showing that he's a candidate now doing it, um, you know, I think that enthusiasm and that willing to risk everything um, shows um, how committed he is to being a candidate. There's been zero talk, uh, Jack, about the Republican side of things on this race, and you know maybe rightfully so because it's been such a strong Democratic seat. But these seats become available hardly ever, right? Could Republicans locally look at this as an opportunity to say, hey, is there somebody we can get that would be attractive against one of these names? And is there somebody maybe who would even flip party affiliations to be that candidate? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think local and national Republicans are, are looking at every race, right? As you mentioned, there are so few open seats, um, but there, there are even less competitive seats. And, and I think the Republicans really need to find you know, a rock star if they're going to make this one competitive. And frankly, uh, they couldn't find one to run for county executive. So I, I'm not sure they're going to find one to, to run for this seat. But um, but we'll we'll watch that. When do you see this solidifying? Much before Higgins leaves? I, I think a lot of this is going to play out over, over the next few weeks. I mean, you mentioned the, the three credible candidates on the Democratic side. Um, I, I think we'll see a lot of this over the next few weeks. Uh, the Amherst Democratic Committee had a couple of the candidates there last night speaking and um, looking for endorsements. I also think you'll see at the end of the year there's an FEC filing, so we'll see what um, at least Senator Kennedy has raised, and I think all of those will be big factors. But I, I think we'll have a pretty clear indication of where this is going even before, uh, before Congressman Higgins formally resigns even if all the paperwork isn't done. Well, hey, Jack, thank you so much for the time this morning. Really appreciate it. Jack O'Donnell with O'Donnell and Associates joining us. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.